I'm Pastor Dan. I'm pastor of Youth and Young Adults today, and I have the privilege of bringing God's Word. Because as you'll see, there's no Jason here, and there's no Chris here. They're in Mexico, and so you're stuck with the youth staff bringing the Word. <laughs> Before he left, though, Chris did hand me this. This is a baton from a relay race, and he said, Dan, I want you to tell the congregation I'm handing the baton to you. And run well, I have full confidence in you. And I was like, I've never been a runner. I'm just excited I get to hold one of these. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, Chris did hand me this and say, you know, there's no coincidence that Jesus was 30 when he began his ministry. And you are 30 as you give this message. And it's no coincidence that Jesus was leading a group of 12 young men. And you are giving a message on how do we entrust to our kids, to the next generation, our legacy. And so, whether coincidence or not, here we are at the end of our five-part series on our kids. Jason and Chris have taken us on a journey from talking about the troubling trends that face this generation and how they could be in, in for some pitfalls. But we have the ability as the church and as individuals who care to raise them up past that into the life that God has for them. We talked about how in Scripture we see this model, right? We see this progression of welcoming people in, of making them feel loved and at home and knowing them by name, and then of modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus and to live into the life that God has. And then last week, Chris talked about uh, equipping and how we can give our students real skills and resources to help them to live into the life that God has for them. And this week, we get to take all of that and say, if we have modeled well, if we have welcomed in the next generation, if we have equipped them with resources, what do we do next? How do we take that welcomed and modeled and equipped individual and do something real with them? Well, it takes entrusting real authority to them. Out of all the sermons in this series, I get the hardest one. Because this is the hardest part, right? Actually giving authority to young people is terrifying. Let me give you an example. When I had just come home from college as a young man, maybe 19 years old, that summer I needed a job. And my mom worked uh, at the bank, and there was this carpenter that kept coming in and saying, like, oh, I need help for the summer, because that's how all carpenters talk. And... Uh, she was like, Dan, you should work for a carpenter. And I was like, I don't know anything about carpentry, but Jesus was a carpenter, so sure. <laughs> and, uh, and so I worked for this carpenter, and after a very brief introduction, uh, we set out to work. And I remember he put me fairly quickly to this job of, of stripping and staining this deck, right? And he kind of gives me a brief, like, all right, here's what you need to do. I'm going to go work on something else. And he left me there for like four hours. And, you know, I worked really hard at that deck, and I did a terrible job because I didn't really know what I was doing. And for those of you who know me now, you know I'm not the most handy of people even at 30. And at 19, it was even less so. And so the carpenter gets back and he, you know, tells me I did a terrible job with not so kind of words. Uh, he actually called me some names that weren't my name as well. And uh, he actually fired me on the spot. He then rehired me later because he needed someone to work with him and had no one else. But... <laughs> The point here is that he entrusted me with real authority. He gave me a job to do, and it ended in failure. And so there's two points here that we need to know going into this series. The first of these is that entrusting is 
the last step in the progress and process and not the first step. We didn't start with this sermon series because the fact that there is real failure at stake here means that we have to prepare our young people to be entrusted with things. Young or old, we need to do a good job of giving the welcome, of modeling what it looks like and equipping them inside the church and out. We have to do all that before we can entrust with authority. We've been given gifts, right? Maybe, maybe not just the church is a good way to talk about this, but we've been given talents and positions. We have a country that we value. We have a family that is important to us. And so how do we pass that on and not hold on to it? We can't hide that behind walls of our own control, but instead we must steward it and give it entrusting to the next generation, to empowered people, young and old, who can take us forward into the future that God has for us. You know, we tend to be people of extremes, right? My boss, the carpenter, didn't really do the proper legwork to get me to succeed in this job. He was just like, here you go, run with it. If you've been paying attention in this series, you've seen that we have some resources for you as parents, which point out that as parents, myself included, we often tend to be on the other end of the extreme. Two of those resources, How to Raise an Adult and The Gift of Failure, both talk about how as parents, we are much quicker to save our children before they need saving. I think of my daughter who's just learning how to walk, and it, like anytime she starts to kind of take a step, I'm like, you know, like ready to catch her and probably catching her too soon. If I never let her step and fall, she never learns how to walk. Now, there are times like where she tries to stick her fingers in an outlet that I have to stop her. There are ways in, that she can't fail, but there are some spots where I need to let her fail. And so the second note I would have you take this morning is that entrusting allows for failure and guidance, but not control or safety. If we do a good job with the other steps, then we can guide our young people into what we've entrusted them to. But entrusting doesn't mean we get to control the outcome, and it doesn't mean that they will never fail. And so my hope this morning is threefold. There are three things that I hope after hearing this sermon you can walk away with. The first is that you see from Scripture that we have to do this. We have to entrust the next generation with the gospel, with what we've been given as a church, and with what we have as individuals. Two, that you feel better equipped to actually do this, that you feel inspired that, hey, I can't keep what I have to myself. I can't keep this church guarded. I have to give it on to the next generation. With greater and greater things, right? Maybe you're entrusting right now with like, you can make the cereal this morning. How do we go beyond that? I hope you feel equipped to do so. And number three, I hope that you recognize that this is something that we're doing. Maybe you are good at this and you're entrusting things to your kids and to the kids around you, to the young people in your life, maybe to the old people who are young in spirit, whatever it is. Maybe you're doing this, but we can't stop with where we are. We have to keep getting better and better and entrusting more and more. And I don't want you to take my word for it or my amazing carpentry story. I want you to actually see this from Scripture. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to the book of 2 Timothy. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. I encourage you to take one on your way out. That's our gift to you. We just ask that you read it. Um, but as you're opening to 2 Timothy 2, and then put your finger in there and look at 2 Timothy 4, 5, let me give you a little background. For this series, we've been walking through 1 and 2 Timothy and talking about Paul's relationship with Timothy. We've seen that 
in 1 Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy as an up-and-coming pastor, and he's telling him how to run his church, how to develop overseers and elders, and he's saying what kind of character he needs. He's saying, as you have seen me model being a pastor, being a teacher, being an evangelist, so you must do this. He's teaching him and providing all of the welcoming. You know, Timothy was a Gentile that Paul welcomed in to be a pastor and be part of the Christian church. He modeled for him. He brought Timothy with him. He gave him the skills. That's what we see in 1 Timothy. But then in 2 Timothy, we see things start to shift. Let's look at these verses. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then in uh, chapter 4, verse 5, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. In 1 Timothy, we have Paul doing all of the welcoming and modeling and equipping. And near, at points, he says, hey, and I'm going to come to you soon so that I can make sure all of this is happening, so that I can encourage you and build you up as the pastor to this church in Ephesus. But then in 2 Timothy, we see the language switching. Instead of Paul saying, I'm going to come to you, Timothy, he says, Please come to me quickly so that I might be encouraged. And here in these verses, we see that as Paul has entrusted this to Timothy, it says, it says verse four, chapter 4, verse 5, do the work of an evangelist. Who is the first evangelist to these Gentile provinces? It's Paul the evangelist. Paul is the one who spread the gospel from Jerusalem to Ephesus, to Galatia, to Corinth. And now he's talking about Timothy as the evangelist? Paul has entrusted his ministry to Timothy. And he doesn't stop there. He says, hey, as I've entrusted this to you, you now must entrust this to others. That's what chapter 2-2 says. It says, entrust to faithful men what you have heard from me who will be able to teach others also. And so we see in the books of 1 and 2 Timothy this progress of Timothy being mentored and welcomed and equipped by Paul and now entrusted with the gospel message. Now Paul sees him as closer to a peer than a mere protege. And I think what we see here is something important for us to take away, that Paul does this with the gospel message. And he does it because something happens if we don't entrust what we have to the next generation. You know, if we at Emmanuel model something worth emulating, worth having, if we as a church really have something that we think is special and model it for our kids, our hope is that they will live into it. But if we just welcome them and we just show them what it looks like and we just give them the tools and resources to do it, but never entrust them with any actual authority, they're going to go somewhere that will. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Look around. We've seen companies that do this. How many of you know of a corporation that was amazing when the, the person who founded it was a part of it, and then as soon as he leaves, it crumbles because he didn't do a good job of entrusting and building up to someone else authority for when he moved on? Or look at churches. How many of you know a church that was thriving in its heyday, but as its congregation has aged, there are no young people to take up the flag and run the church? So instead, the church dies and crumbles and passes on its building to the next church. We do not want to be like that. We can't be like that. We have to do something differently. You know, 
uh, last Next Gen Sunday, not this one this year, but the year before, I got to preach a message about Jesus empowering his young people, right? Talking about how Jesus led a group of apostles whose ages probably ranged from 15 to 25. And we talked about how Jesus entrusted them with this young message and how can we fail to entrust them and expect them to do great things. That's what we're talking about today. But when we think about entrusting, Jesus didn't like stick around and look over their shoulder the whole time, right? He sent out the 72 and they came back and were like, we're doing the things that you were doing. It was so crazy. And then eventually Jesus says, hey, uh, wait for the Holy Spirit to come, but I'm going to return to the Father. And Jesus, who is the one that we celebrate, the one about the gospel or who the gospel is about, went to heaven and is no longer physically there. Now his gospel has been entrusted to his disciples, and now to us. And so, how do we follow what Jesus did? If Jesus is willing to do that with the gospel, what is it that we're afraid to entrust to the next generation? You know, last time I was up here a couple weeks ago uh, for this year's uh, Next Gen Sunday, I said that I want to see the next youth pastor up here doing what I'm doing even better than I am. And I hope that that happens because it's someone, maybe it's one of you young people who's in here today who's going to take that because I hope it happens because we've welcomed you and we've modeled for you what it looks like and we've equipped you with the skills and then we've entrusted you with the actual authority to preach the word of God. Man, I hope that next time Chris and Jason are out of town that me and Caitlin can sit and watch one of these young people preach the word. Amen? Man. Amen? Oh, you are out there. That's good. Um, Okay, so I think if we don't do this, if we fail to entrust what legacy we have to the next generation, then it dies with us. Well, in order to actually do it, we have to know what's in store. And so, young people, I'm talking to you for a minute. So if you're from 2 to 20, this is for you. And these are in your notes, and I put these in here because I don't want you to be, have to be able to write to get this. I want you to hear this from me now and know that it's in there. The first is that these are all from 1 Timothy. Being entrusted has to do with how you live. So young people, what this verse talks about is your character. Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, you have to be self-controlled. You have to be a man of integrity. You have to be someone who takes care of themselves and how they treat people around them. Go back and read some of these verses. Read... uh, 1 Timothy 3, 10, and 11, you'll see that Paul is able to entrust what he entrusts to Timothy because Timothy is a person of character. And so it matters that you have the skills. You know, my boss at Carpentry didn't help me get the skills to be able to be a good carpenter. But even if I had had those skills, if I wasn't a person of character, I'm not worth entrusting anything to. And so young people, as we look for chances to give you actual authority, We're looking for people who listen, who show respect, who have self-control. The things that your parents rib you about all the time, it's not for no reason. It's because when you display those things, when those things are real, we can actually entrust you with more and more authority. And we see that from 1 Timothy. Number two, this is for both you young people and you adults. I'll start with the young people. That entrusting supersedes age. That means it doesn't matter how old you are, we can give you real authority. Paul says to to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example. That means you guys, you young people, you can be an example for us adults. 
by how you live, by the character that you have, by how you strive to live for Jesus Christ. And adults, that means that when young people have been entrusted with authority, our job is not to come in and be like, ooh, you're young, let me do that. Our job is not to come in and be like, I'm so afraid that you're not going to do a good job, I'm going to watch you like a hawk. Our job is to say, wow, I can't believe you're pressing into this. Wow, I can't believe you've been given this job. Well done. Let me help you any way I can. And trusting supersedes age. And the reason that we can do this is the third. It's that entrusting happens in the context of a sovereign God. We do this because our God is sovereign. Look at the example of Paul that he talks about uh, in the first and second chapter uh, of First Timothy. He says that I was the guy who was persecuting the church. I was the worst of sinners. I was a mess, and yet God hands over the gospel to me to be preached to the Gentiles. Man, if, you were, <laughs> if I was doing this, that is the biggest possibility for failure ever. Right? If anyone is going to fail, it's the guy that no one trusts because he was killing other Christians. And yet, God took that potential for failure and turned it into the greatest success in the spreading of the gospel in history. And so, we can entrust things to the next generation and know that even if they fail, God's church is not going to fail. God is sovereign over the process, and he can turn all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then finally, being entrusted requires commitment. Uh, if you read just the second chapter uh, of 1 Timothy, you see this, but really you see it all through First and Second Timothy, that it takes time, not just for Paul of mentoring young Timothy and writing him these letters and teaching him and equipping him, but it's, it's also not just like a single download, right? He doesn't just say, all right, Timothy, here are all the ways that you be a good pastor. Go and do it. He's in his life. He says, hey, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to make sure this happens. I'm going to be there over and over and over again. And young people, this means that you can't just like, okay, I'm entrusted and then disappear. You got to stay committed. You got to show up. You can't just serve on one Sunday. We want you to keep coming back so that we can keep entrusting you with more and more, that we can keep giving you what you need to move up the ladder and, man, someday be up here doing this. It requires commitment. Let me give you an example of another reason why it requires commitment. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had the, the Covenant Annual Meeting. And at that meeting, Ephraim Smith was speaking, and he was talking about how, as a Covenant Church, one of the things we value is racial inclusion. And he said this. He said, if we're going to see all the nations come to Jesus, as we see in the book of Revelation, where every tribe and every tongue is praising God the Father, then we need pastors and administrators and teachers who are from all the nations. And at ECC, we also have this desire to see all the nations represented. And yet, if Sam is the only one up front, we can't be like, yes, we did it. We have one Asian. That is not commitment. That's just patting ourselves on the back for one good thing. Commitment means we say, awesome, I'm so glad Sam is a part of our team. How do we continue to reach every nation for Jesus Christ and incorporate them into our body? In the same way, we can't say, wow, we've got some of our young people who are really leaders in our church. We're doing a great job. That's great. But we have to be committed to this purpose and continue to press in to raising up the young people in our church and in our communities and bringing them in as leaders and representatives of the gospel. And 
to be fair, that is what we are doing, right? We have young people who are being entrusted with things. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've been intentional about saying, all right, who can I pick out that I see doing this? Here's just from the past couple of weeks. I saw Kobe Kirk uh, working as an usher and counting congregants. I saw Andra and Emma and Ethan and Kenna and the Freemuths all running skits for Camp ECC. We even have a Camp ECC shirt in here. There were like six students who came ready in the last service to serve, even though we had a week off with their Camp ECC shirts on. I saw Max and Eileen running slides for Camp ECC and preteens. Are there any preteens in here right now? You guys. Some of you guys have been helping out for our Camp ECC, serving as leaders for the younger kids. I just want to say, well done. You guys have done an amazing job. When we entrusted you with real authority over the younger kids, you lived into it. Well done, and continue to do that so that we can give you more. I've seen Paul and Hannah and Tiara serving communion in the front of our church. And even now, our Juarez team is filled with some youth who have real authority serving the kids down at the children's home. And I love the example of Paul and Hannah and Tiara serving communion because the truth is that if we are a priesthood of all believers and the church is a holy thing, there is no thing so holy in the church that we cannot entrust to our young people if they are competent and they have character. If we prepare them and show them and model for them, there is nothing we cannot invite them in to do because they are co-heirs with us with Christ. And so if you are a note taker, I want to encourage you to write this note. It's that following Jesus is about inviting the least of these into the holiest of places. And the least of these means those who don't look like you, those who don't sound like you, those who have different color skin or talk differently or who are younger or older than you. There are no barriers that separate someone from being in the holiest places of our church except for saying that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, if God was willing to entrust me, a broken human, with the gospel, what is it that I'm holding on too tightly to entrust to the next generation? I want to close with a story, but before I do, I want you to write down the notes so I don't forget. It's that if God was willing to entrust us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must not fail to entrust it to the next generation. Let me close with a story that Jesus himself told. Jesus told a parable called the parable of the talents, where a master goes on a journey, and before he leaves, he leaves money with three of his servants. He leaves one with 10 talents, one with five talents, and one with one talent. And he goes away on this long journey, and then he comes back, and he asks for his money back and says, what have you done with what I've given you? And the, the servant with the most talents invested his money well and made 10 times as much, and the one with five talents uh, invested well and made five times as much, but the one with one talent was afraid of losing that talent, and so he buried it in a field because he was afraid of his master and afraid of losing what he had given him. And the master is angry with that servant. He said, what, what are you afraid of? I've given you something that is designed to reproduce. And I think today, Jesus is telling us, we cannot guard our church, we cannot guard what we have been given for fear of losing it. But we have to be willing to entrust it to the next generation, knowing that our sovereign God will raise up that generation to preach his gospel and to reach this world. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. 
And I want to challenge us that we need to be willing to entrust the little things and the big things. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone upon which we have built this church, and he is faithful whether I'm up here or a 12-year-old is up here, as long as we have taken them through preparing them to hold that responsibility. And so don't be afraid to entrust real things to the next generation. Instead, partner with them and empower them, and let us do this together for the glory of God in our church and among our people. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have shown us what this means. Thank you that your word says that we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, that we have been entrusted with showing people who you are and your truth. God, I pray that we would be faithful in that and that we would also be faithful in the little things of entrusting responsibility to our young people to serve communion and to to teach and to preach and give them those skills. God, may you teach each of us how we can entrust to this generation together. God, you are good, and we trust you. In Christ's name, amen.